The people and people is what they address. What's going on? What's going on? Are we recording? Are you guys recording? I can't tell if you guys are recording or not. I just looked. I just start talking and rambling off. Are we? Are we recording? What's What's going on, everybody out there? Simba Ali back for another episode of TNSP. You guys know where it's really real. How did you guys like the live on Lake Street interview? Talk to me, people. Talk to me. Talk to me, people. How did you like it? Well, I know how you liked it because it's at goddamn 4,000 views and it's only been three days, okay? Goddamn. It's, it's getting so many views that people at Live on Lake Street are sending me crazy, wild fucking messages. Hey, can you slow down? Can you can, can, slow down? What the fuck you want me to slow down for, man? We trying to run them motherfucking numbers up, man. Yeah, man, motherfuckers. It gets weird when you start moving. When you really start moving and grooving, it gets weird in the podcasting lane. It gets weird. It gets weird in the real nigga lane. You know what I'm saying? When you're not some kind of made up motherfucker, made up by social media platforms and made up by a bunch of bullshit. When you're a real life person who has credible things they've created and things that they've pioneered. And I pioneered two games, hip hop and podcasting. I'm not the first podcaster, but I'm one of them. One of the first podcasters to ever come out of Minnesota is me. That's why when I was talking with Jake Faircloth on Live on Lake Street, when he said he used to listen to the local celebrities, nigga, I started my podcast right after that. You see what I'm saying? So if you were listening to the local celebrities, I started my podcast like pretty much right after them. So, so, and you were still listening. So that's what I mean about podcasting and pioneering and the things that I've created. What's going on, everybody out there? We are here. We're about to have some motherfucking fun. We're about to have a whole lot of motherfucking fun. Yeah, I'm mad in a motherfucker about a lot of shit. The live on Lake Street niggas had some broad on there, and she's trying to struggle to crack the thousand. She's struggling to crack that thousand views. So I think that's why they messaged me. They promoted the, they pro, they promoted the fuck out of this broad, too. They made sure they were promoting. She didn't even promote her interview. She didn't even share it on her social media platforms, but fucking live on Lake Street was pumping the fuck out of this broad. And she was on there lying, talking about she ghost writ for Wayne. And she was talking bad about John Ray. John Ray needs to hang it up. Bitch, who the fuck you tell? Bitch, telling somebody to hang it up in Minnesota. Fuck you talking about? Only I can tell people to hang it up. Because like I say, I'm a pioneer here. When I speak, the world listens. You don't have the fucking credibility to tell John Ray to hang it up. If I was John Ray, I'd be like, bitch, who are you talking to? So anyway, that's where we're at right now. I'm a little bit upset because I don't feel appreciated. If you look on the live on Lake Street comments, we're up to like 30 comments. I think like almost 40 people viewed it live. And like I said, we're trying to crack that 4,000 views. You would think that would be appreciated. Thank you, Simba. I'm getting messages talking about algorithms and shit. Algorithms? So you want me to slow down? You want me to stop sharing it? Is that what you want me to do? Stop sharing it? Because that's what I do. When I get on an interview platform, I'm trying to help your platform, right? So I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, I'm on all my social media platforms, I'm sharing that shit like a motherfucker. Every page I can see that has something to do with hip hop or interviews or anything, I'm putting our interview on that shit. So I get a fucking message in my inbox, hey man, can you slow down, you're fucking up the algorithm. Slow down? Slow down? What the fuck are you talking about? We're at light speed right here. No, I can't slow down, but I don't know anyways. It just made me think to the fact that... Uh, what, what, what do real niggas have to deal with on a daily basis? This is the shit real people have to deal with on a daily basis with the people who sit behind the keyboards and clickety-clackety-clickety-clack. Yeah, I ran them fucking numbers up like a motherfucker, nigga. We fucking breaking sound barriers. And these niggas telling me to relax. But what I think, this is just a thought. It's just what I feel. I don't, I don't know that this happened. But what I feel happened is she's probably looking at my interviews because she's right above me. She's the next interview on Live on Lake Street. And she's like, how does this nigga got almost 4,000 and I'm sitting at this 700? She probably made a call, called, you know, Jake Faircloth. And I know Jake Faircloth be having little kind of crushes with the females that come on the show. You know, he likes them, he has a crush on them or whatever. See me, I always grew up talking, engaging, and being around bad bitches. Bad bitches ain't nothing to me. They're nothing to me. I've, I've ran through them all, I've talked to them all, I've fucked all their friends. I did all that shit when I was 19, 18, sometimes 15. Like I said, come on, man. I don't even want to tell you guys my history about the NBA players. There's some, there's some Timberwolf players that are mad at me right now, looking at their wife, mad than the motherfucker at me, because I was that nigga. Fuck are you talking about? I don't turn into a predator when, um, you know, shy women come around. 
And when uh, aggressive women come around, I don't get intimidated. I know how to deal with all women on all platforms, on all type of levels. So, but some hosts, they have this thing where a woman comes on their show and they, they start crushing on them and they, they get in their feelings. You can see it happening live on camera. That's why a lot of you guys probably shouldn't record the episodes you do when you got bad bitches on. You should just put out the sound. Uploading that visual is a, is a risky thing because niggas like me sit and look at it like, oh, this niggas, this niggas melting in his motherfucking britches. This niggas creaming in his trousers, nigga. You know what I'm talking about? So that's what I feel happened with me. I feel like, you know, they really are trying to, they wanted to promote this broad who came on after me. They thought that I would do the little views. Oh, just a couple hundred people are going to want to hear Simba rant. No, nigga. I gave you the best interview that Live on Lake Street ever had. I'm not saying this. This is what the comments are saying. This is the best interview that has ever came across live on Lake Street. And we're up to 4,000 motherfucking views, right? And now, like I said, now I'm combating the fact that I'm not the one that was planned. They just wanted to get me on and just get him on there and just to say we had him on so he can stop complaining. Motherfucker, I wasn't complaining. I was just saying if you want to have a real conversation with a black person, all your people are dumb niggas that can't speak. All your, all your guests are niggas who can't speak. And the niggas who can speak are so far up the Democratic asshole, so far grabbing on Democrats nuts and so far in the political basket of the Democrats, they don't speak for black communities. They speak for themselves as a person who sits back and watches TV. <laughs> that's what they speak for. They don't speak for somebody that's out driving around, touching the people, talking to the people. You guys see me uploading my Me Against the World. I'm, I'm talking to the brothers in Northside Minneapolis. I got my cameraman with me in Northside Minneapolis. I'm walking around like a motherfucking king in and out of stores, in and out of restaurants. This is how you have to be in order to have the takes that I have. So if you're sitting behind your computer watching TV, watching CNN, watching the news about what they say the black community needs to be concerned with, and then you get to go on a platform like a Live on Lake Street or a Wholesome Podcast or a Say No More Podcast, you're going to echo the sentiments of CNN because you haven't been out in the community touching and talking and looking at what's going on, right? So, to make a long story even longer, yeah, I'm mad than a motherfucker, man, getting all these, man, man, can you, can you stop, man, can you slow down, man, slow down? Nigga, you would think you would say thank you, man. Thank you for running the motherfucking numbers up. Thank you for having the engagement. So many people coming and engaging and commenting and talking. And thank you, man. We appreciate you. Give one of our best interviews. So that's, that's one of the things we're doing. We're not going to spend too much time on that. I just wanted to kind of let you guys know that I did do the live on Lake Street. Um, it was a great interview. You know, I, it was the calmer side of Simba, which I see a lot of people really, really like. I got a lot of thumbs up on, hey, man, I've never seen you this calm. Usually you're, you're so energetic. Just say it. Usually I'm the angry black man. Just say it with your fucking mouth. Don't sit here and try to fluff it and hide it behind different words. Usually you're the angry black man. Yeah, I am the angry black man. You're goddamn right I am. Everybody else has the right to be what their culture is. Nobody gets mad at Conor McGregor for being the drunk Irishman, right? Nobody gets mad at the sassy black woman for being all sassy and sassy, right? Nobody gets mad at the gay white man for being gay. Nobody gets mad at the Jewish... Uh, Jewish guy for being mad over anti-Semitic shit, right? But that black man cannot be mad. Even though we've been subjugated and subject to some of the worst treatment in the history of the planet, they think that I don't have the right to be, you should just be calm. Even my homeboys be saying that shit, man, you should just be, nigga. But it lets me know something. Whenever somebody says to me, man, um, I don't agree. That's the first thing they try to say. I don't agree with what Simba, with everything Simba says. Who the fuck agrees with everything anybody says? Why is that your come out? I don't agree with a lot of the things. Me and him don't agree on a lot of things. That's just their way of saying, Massa don't whoop me, right? <laughs> Massa don't whoop me. I ain't agreeing with everything he says, but I do like the shoes that he wore on the interview. Man, this shit is showing me a whole new light. It's showing me a whole new side of people, but one thing that I'm getting better at, I posted on my Instagram, Wallow... If you, if you follow me on Instagram, it's the only post that I'll post of somebody else. And it's Wallow. Because Wallow said something so fucking thought-provoking and so soul-shaking. So I had to put it up. But he was basically saying that when you grow, other people who don't have your ability, they can't say they're jealous of you. You know, when I walk in a room, I light up the room. 
I'm able to materialize and manifest my ideas and my dreams and things that I want to do. A lot of people can't do that. So instead of them saying, hey, man, I'm jealous of you. I'm jealous that you're such a good father. I'm jealous that, you, that you're a married man and a loyal and faithful husband. I'm jealous that you have made a good life for yourself. I'm jealous that you're able to coach kids. I'm jealous that you're able to not only start rap, but then go and start podcasting and actually materialize it to one of the top podcasts. I'm jealous that you can go on a live stream and just talk without edits and monologues and help. I'm jealous of everything that you are, but they can't say that, so they manifest victim shit and they manifest hate and they do all this other shit. That shit used to piss me off. For the last probably five years, I've been just pissed off that the people that are closest to me have had this fake hate or this fake love and have kind of ignored the things that I have been building, right? But then when, well, not just Wallow. It ain't just Wallow that's brought this to light. I've kind of came to the realization of this, but Wallow kind of put a name on it, right? He, he kind of put a name and a face to what's going on. So now I'm at more of a Zen peace-like state. When somebody gives me fake love, I used to hate fake love. Nigga, you being fake. You don't fuck with me like that. Why are you doing this? Now I just returned it to sender. <laughs> I just returned it to sender like a mailman. You know, this, this is supposed to go back to the house it came from. Now I give fake love right back to people. They want to come to my son's game. Y'all didn't want to come to Cinco's game when he didn't have no points. When, Cinco, when my son wasn't scoring any points, he was sitting on the bench. Nobody wanted to come to his game. Now the nigga's dropping 20 points, turning into the school's biggest motherfucking basketball player. Now I look up and I see all you motherfuckers at the games. Now normally I would get mad and what the fuck are y'all doing? And it would piss me off and I probably would like go stand over on the sideline or something. I wouldn't want to be by him. Now I'm learning to just throw the fake love back at him. Hey, I'm so glad you came. Hey, I love you too. Hey, I'm just throwing the fake love right back in their face, right? But making sure that we keep our motherfucking distance because if you're too close to me, that's when I rely on you. When I really love you and when I really expect you to be close and engaged and around and that kind of stuff, that's when I get upset. If I know this is fake, we're just acting. This is just a movie. I don't get mad. When I'm in a movie and I'm acting, I'm not going to get mad because the guy said something. We're acting in a movie. Once they say cut, it's over. And that's how I view when I'm dealing with a lot of my family members and friends now. When we part ways and we go our separate ways, that's the movie saying cut. And I could just go about my life. Now I don't have to be mad. Look, that was just a fucking movie scene. So anyway, that's what I've been dealing with, guys, as far as the podcast. And I want to book for a couple, a couple more interviews. Um, I'm going to have Wayne from Say No More on, the, on my podcast. Things are looking great, man. Things are really, really looking great. And hopefully um, with these future interviews that I got coming up, they can actually show the value of what it is that I bring. I'm a masterpiece. I'm not a stop sign. I'm not a stop sign. And it made me think about that. I didn't really get to answer that too good when Jake, he was like, is inconsistency the reason why you're not on my timeline? And I'm like, timeline? Nigga, timeline? But again, I was able to go into my thing and kind of realize we're interview here and I don't want to fuck up the interview trying to be real. Let's, let's be fake. Let's throw a little bit of fakeness out there. But to be real, my podcast is a masterpiece. It's not a stop sign. I know I've done this episode. I know I've talked about this on um, prior episodes, but stop signs and masterpieces. The, a stop sign goes up every day. Every day somebody puts up a stop sign somewhere in some neighborhood, a stop sign goes up. When was the last time you marveled at a stop sign? When's the last time you were taken back and just looked at a stop sign and it changed the way you felt about life? Never. But they go up every day. That's how I look at podcasters and these media platforms with these who make sure they have 20 guests and 50 guests and they're constantly putting out episodes that aren't worth shit. People are just stopping and going, stopping and going. But then when you see that masterpiece, when you see that Basquiat painting, Right. When you see that Michelangelo or that Da Vinci, you see that beautiful painting. That's a masterpiece. Motherfuckers stop and it changes how you feel like it fucks your whole life up. Like, wow, this is a beautiful picture. It gets inside your soul. That's what my podcast episodes are. That's what my um, when I have guests that they're masterpieces. I'm not going to go get a guest every single fucking day so I can put out episodes that aren't worth shit. You're wearing the tire too thin. You're spreading the mustard too thin. 
I wanted to be special when I talk to a guest. I want it to be special when I put out my podcast episodes. I want you guys to feel it. I want, you know, if you guys are listening to me on a plane or you're listening to me on your way to work or you're listening to me at work, I want you to feel different going in than you did coming out. So I don't do episodes to keep up with the masses. I don't make sure I do episodes on, on this time and every single time. I don't do that. I'm going to do podcasting episodes when I'm inspired because I want the people listening and viewing to feel that inspiration. I want you to feel that. It's like Van Gogh painting a picture every day. No, he's gonna paint that picture where he cuts his ear off. <laughs> you know, Van Gogh cut his motherfucking ear off and put it in the paint. Motherfucker, if I did this every episode, I wouldn't have any body parts. I'd have to cut a body part off every fucking painting and then I'd be dead. No, motherfucker, I just wanted to cut my ear off and, and I wanted an ear in my fucking painting. Do you guys understand that? So I want you guys to know as podcast listeners, there's two different types of content creators. You got stop signs, the people who are just interested in keep putting out episodes. If you listen to them, they're boring. They're not worth shit. The questions aren't worth shit. It didn't feel like you two connected and we're having a real life conversation. They're clickbaity, right? Those are stop signs. That's a lane, but you cannot force stop sign, um, content or content creation on the people who make masterpieces. That's me. I don't know too many other people who do it like me. Um, there are a few out there, but not too many. I'm in a special lane of my own. When I drop, the people listen to it and they feel some kind of way. And that's my job, to motivate, to inspire, and to make my fellow human beings think, right, outside the box. Because they spend so much time in a box, it's hard to think outside the box when you spend your life in a box. But when you come across TNSP, the North Star podcast, Simba Ali, I give you the ability, I urge you, I push you in the direction of thinking outside the box. That's why one of my clothing lines is called Dope. Differences of opinion pushes enlightenment. So this is, this is what I offer and this is what I bring and this is why that one broad is sitting on 800 views and I'm on 4,000. You can't, why are you trying to manifest? I think they might've shared like one, one of my um, clips on their um, platform, I think they shared one thing that I said. They didn't share like five, 10, 15 videos of this bitch talking stupid, saying dumb shit, hoes is needed. This broad is just ignorant, but I'm sure the people that, the guys that who run live on Lake Street, they probably wanna fuck this bitch. Or if they don't wanna fuck her, they probably wanna have a good relationship. Like they wanna keep her close. They, want, like, they, they like looking at her right? They want to appeal to her audience, right? I get it. It's all fine. But don't do that at my sacrifice. Don't try to sacrifice me to make her look better. It can't happen. You know, my, my interview that I did on your platform, it's me and little James. Little James is sitting at, I think, 3,000. I'm on my way to 4,000. His interview was, I think, four or five months ago. Mine was four days ago. Do not... <laughs> Do not try to put me in a box, fam. If you have me on your show, just enjoy the fucking show. Let, the fu let, me, let me create a universe on your little fucking, in your little galaxy, right? You got a little galaxy. Let me come and fucking explode a supernova that's going to create a sun. It's going to create an earth. It's going to create planets. It's going to create moons and asteroids and interstellar belts, <laughs> asteroid belts. Let me create this fucking uh, supernova. Don't try to quiet it. Don't try to close it. Don't try to sh dim the shine. Just let it fucking happen. Okay? So that's what I've been dealing with. <laughs> that's what I've been going through. You know, just trying to be Simba. It's hard being me because I'm such a charismatic and I'm such an ultraviolet ray of light that when you walk around darkness, which is all that's in Minnesota, Minnesota, America right now is 75 to 80% darkness. And when I come bringing my high glowing, beaming light, people, they don't understand it, and some people who enjoy the darkness and have become used to the darkness, they actually don't like it. So anyway, let's keep, let's keep rocking and rolling. Did you guys see the UFC fight last night? Oh my God, Jamal, Jamal Hill brings the fucking UFC lightweight strap back to Negro land. You guys realize that a Negro, I'm not talking about a black guy, I'm talking about a Negro, a Negro, a nigga who's ancestors pick cotton in America and have American slave ties over here. 
we ain't had a champion since John Jones. That's a fact. Don't talk about Kamaru Uzman. That's an African. Don't talk about fucking Israel Asanya. It's an African. Don't talk about Francis Ngannou. That's an African. Don't talk about Al Jermaine Sterling. He's a Jamaican. Don't talk about Leon Edwards. He's a British Jamaican. I'm talking about a nappy-headed Negro from America. Your ancestors come from America, North America. We ain't had a champion in the UFC since fucking John Jones, nigga. That's hard to deal with. Mexicans, Russians, fucking these Muslim niggas from Russia. You realize Russia has changed the face of what Muslim used to mean? When my parents grew up, a Muslim meant Muhammad Ali, and it meant revolution, and it meant extremism, and the FBI hated them. Nobody liked them. Nobody liked the Muslims. It meant that, oh, black people are getting their shit together and they're becoming militarized, right? Back in the days, if you're not watching the um, episode, there's a great um, documentary. I think it's even a series that's on HBO Max, Muhammad Ali. And you can see how the Muslims were hated and feared in the 70s and the 80s and a little bit into the 90s, right? All of a sudden, there's a new face for Muslims, and it's this Khabib nigga. Yeah, Khabib and Mega Meridoff and them Russian fucking Muslims, and everybody loves these fuzzy motherfuckers. Everybody loves the Mega Meridoffs. Everybody loves these fuzzy fair-skinned fucking Muslims. But why couldn't Muhammad Ali? Why couldn't Malcolm X? Why couldn't Elijah Muhammad? Why couldn't the Muslims of the early days get that love? Now all of a sudden they didn't lighten these Muslims up. Now these motherfuckers get a lot of love. But anyway, yeah, man, I got a lot. So anyway, Jamal Hill brought the fucking light heavyweight strap back to Negro land. Thank you, Jamal Hill. Beat Glover Teixeira's old ass. It's time to set down the gloves, Glover. And you're a goddamn warrior. Glover Teixeira is a goddamn warrior, and he's an honorable man. Did you see how he told his people in Brazil, hey, Jamal's walking out with me, and don't y'all throw no fucking cups at him like y'all did Moreno, all right? You see, Moreno got cups thrown at him and shit. <laughs> they was trying to get that Mexican to fuck up out of here. Yeah, yeah, Glover Teixeira stood up like a stand-up guy. So ain't gonna be none of that, man. So Glover Teixeira, thank you for that. And not to mention, you're a goddamn legend. We, we retired two legends last night, Glover Teixeira and Shogun Rua. Wow, man, Shogun Hua. Now, the guy that beat Shogun uh, Hua, this nigga start pop-locking and shit. You goofy-ass, where is this dude from? Does anybody know where this motherfucker's from? You goofy-ass foreigner. Nigga, have, your, have some fucking dignity and respect. Bow to Shogun. Thank you, motherfucker. I wouldn't even have known what MMA was if it wasn't for you, Shogun. This nigga's popping and locking, and he didn't really even beat him like that. You know, Shogun was just tired, man. Shogun was just tired. I'm tired, boss. This nigga popping and locking and dancing, doing that goofy-ass dance. I think he probably fucked himself up as far as the MMA community. All the fighters that I've seen in the MMA community were like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like, cringe. Ugh, cringe. Ugh. We thought that Henry Cejudo was the king of cringe. Now, this dude's the new king of cringe with that fucking whack-ass poppity lock dance he was doing on Shogun. Nigga, show some respect. Bow to Shogun. You know what I'm saying? Shake his hand. Fucking doing that unorthodox popping and locking fucking Tom and Jerry dance that nigga was doing. But uh, anyway, great fights, great fights. Um, uh, what's the girl, Jessica Andrada? And um, what's the other girl she was fighting? She beat the shit out of her. I thought she was gonna fucking have a fucking convulsion in the middle of the, those are two fights that could have been stopped. Glover Teixeira and the Jessica Andrada fight could have been stopped, but it wasn't. But then again, you got to let them go out on the shield. So who knows? Who knows? Because a lot of the fights, when you say stop them, that's when Leon Edwards comes with a fucking kill shot head kick right to the top of Kamaru Usman's big African head and wins the belt. So it's very dicey when it comes to UFC when you're talking about stop the fight, stop the fight. Nigga, what would happen if they would have stopped the Leon Edwards fight? We've seen how many times have we seen a person get their ass beat and just come from nowhere with a hook from hell and knock a motherfucker clean out. You gotta give a motherfucker a chance to go out on the sword. I do think that it's more of a responsibility of the cornerman, right? The ref has a job to do, but the cornerman, you guys know, you guys are have a relationship with this person. I think you guys should be more in, hey man, let's stop this, rather than putting it on the ref. But anyway, some great fucking fights. Um, Moreno finally closed the chapter, chapter on the um, Figueroa on their fucking, how many times them niggas fight? Five times? <laughs> That's the first time in history niggas fought five times. Moreno finally closed that chapter, punched him in the eye with his thumb, fucking scraped uh, Figueroa's eye, and nigga beat his ass. That was it. Now, when it originally happened, like everybody else, I thought that he scratched him. I was like, damn, Moreno scratched him. But then when you watch the replay, it wasn't a scratch. It was a punch with the thumb. 
hit his ass with that thumb, but nonetheless, it was not a scratch. It was fair. But uh, the people of Brazil didn't like that shit. They were throwing all kind of cups of tequila on <laughs> What do they drink in Brazil? It's tequila. Tequila's not a Brazil. What do they drink? Whatever they drink, they was, they was mad than a motherfucker that they nigga lost. And then to share a loss. And why was the stadium empty? Did you guys see that at the end of the, for the fight with Jamal Hill and Glover to share? The fucking stadium was empty by the time the fight finished. That was weird to me. I don't, I don't know. That was just weird to me. But anyway, all in all, I'm happy. Jamal Hill brought the fucking strap back to Negro Land, USA. Thank you, Jamal Hill. I can go out and have drinks now. Yeah, man, because when niggas get their ass beat, man, I swear to God, I try to go out and have a drink and white boys be eyeing me, Mexicans be eyeing me, Chinese be eyeing me. We don't have that tough presence like we used to. Back in the 80s, a nigga will beat anybody. You do not want to fight a nigga in the 80s or the 90s. Get the fuck out of here. We will beat the shit out of anybody, nigga. It doesn't matter. An alien can come from fucking Mars. You don't want to go getting in a fistfight altercation with a nigga. We got too much pent-up anger because of all the subjugation and ill treatment that we've dealt with in this country. Don't go fucking with no nigga. He's going to fuck you up. We don't have that cult anymore. Now white boys is pushing us. White ladies is pushing us. Old white people are cussing. Man, we don't have the aura, man. You better not fuck with that nigga. He'd be done beat your ass. We don't have that cult anymore. So it just felt good to know that there's still a few of us out there. Speaking of, of Negroes who are good at beating ass, you guys are, are you guys ready for the juggernaut hunt, Lorenzo juggernaut hunt versus Mike Richmond fight? Are you guys ready? I'm just asking because that's coming up. When is that? February 14th, somewhere in there. February, I don't have the date on me. It's coming up in the middle of February, man. Yeah. And again, I spoke that to existence on my podcast, Stop Signs and Masterpieces, right? Not only do I understand the past, but I have an ability to speak the future into existence. The first time Juggernaut Hunt, Lorenzo Juggernaut Hunt, I know his name now. I didn't back nine months ago when I was just getting into BKFC. Now I know his name is Lorenzo Juggernaut Hunt. He's from fucking Cleveland, nigga, and he trains out of Florida. I know everything about this nigga now, and he's a bad motherfucker. And I would have corrected Gavin Hendrickson. When Gavin said uh, Mike Richmond's the best, I would have said, hold on, nigga. No, he ain't, nigga. No, he's not, Gavin. Mike Richmond is not the baddest. Lorenzo Juggernaut Hunt is the baddest, nigga. Two-division. Two-division champion, nigga. Well, they had a press conference, and Lorenzo slapped the shit out of Mike Richmond. <laughs> he slapped that nigga like, nigga, he slapped that nigga. Woo-wee. That was a pimp slap, nigga. That was one of them pimp slaps when the bitch be talking too much about it's too cold to get out there and sell some pussy, and the pimp got, what? What'd you say? It's too cold. Slap. Slap, slap Mike Richmond in his shit. Now, of course, Mike Richmond, you know, he's a Marine. He got pissed off. And, and I don't know why the guy was grabbing uh, Lorenzo Hunt. One of the bodyguards was, like, grabbing Lorenzo and almost brought him down. Almost broke Lorenzo's back grabbing him. Like, nigga, what the fuck are you doing grabbing me like that, my nigga? fuck are you doing? But anyway, these two are about to scrap, and I cannot tell you I'm front row. Yeah, I'm front row. I'm trying to get my tickets. I'm, try I'm trying to beg Mike Richmond and uh, Lorenzo Hunt. Can you guys please send me some tickets to the BF to the BKFC, man? I want me and my wife want to see some real live pugilism. How it used to be back in the days when Jack Johnson and them was coming up. Bare knuckles, nigga. Anyways, so yeah, Lorenzo Hunt's representing for Negro Land. And now we got Jamal Hill representing for Negro Land. And when um John Jones goes up and challenges, who is he gonna fight? Oh, Cyril Gahn? He's gonna fight Cyril Gahn for the heavy in a heavyweight fight. If John Jones can get that heavyweight championship back, oh, I'll be happy. We might be back to where we need to be, Negroes. But until then, it's just, it, we got two. We got Lorenzo Juggernaut Hunt, and now we got Jamal Hill. And, hey, UFC on PlayStation, when are you going to put Jamal Hill on the fucking game? I'm trying to scroll through fighters and shit. I don't see Jamal Hill in his name anywhere. Can we please get Jamal Hill in there? I see a bunch of fighters. A bunch of fighters that ain't even in there in real life. You got fucking Tyson Fury in UFC. He's not a UFC fighter. Get Jamal Hill's ass in the UFC 4, please. I don't want him to have to wait till UFC 5. By the time UFC 5 comes, he should already be engraved in. We got Patty the Batty. They threw Patty the Fatty Batty up in the fucking game quick. Jamal Hill needs to be in the fucking game. But yeah, John Jones is Moving up to fight Cyril Ghosn, uh, Francis Ngannou got stripped because the nigga's asking for too much. Listen here, you African. Weren't you just digging rocks out of a sand dune in Africa? 
Man, I tell you, it does not take a lot for a nigga to start sniffing itself and reading his own press clippings. You, you foreigner niggas, you guys trip me out. You come to America out of your rat shit infested countries and then you start asking Dana White for shit. What the fuck are you talking about, nigga? All this freedom and freedom. Ain't no freedom. You free to sign a contract, nigga, and get paid and have people come see you fight, nigga, and get a piece of the gate. What freedom are you talking about, you African nigga? Uh, you want health care? Pay for health care out of the money that you make. What the fuck are you talking about, you African nigga? Well, I want to go do boxing. Then fucking get the fuck out of here and go do boxing. What, why would you sign a contract with me, though? Why would you sign a four-fight uh, contract with me? Why, when we sat down at the table in Perkins, why didn't you tell me right then, hey, man, I don't want to do this. I want to go do some boxing. I Dana White would have got up and left you right there with your tremendous 12, you fucking African. Why do you sign contracts and then try to finagle and do all this other bullshit? Fulfill the terms and conditions of your contract, then renegotiate, right? And maybe that's what happened. Maybe he did fulfill his term uh, of this contract. But you fucked up trying to bully Dana White. That's Dana White, man. You didn't just see, nigga, he just put his pimp hand down on his wife, nigga, because she was getting out of pocket, nigga. Dana White just put his pimp hand down on his bitch because she got out of pocket in a nightclub during fucking New Year's Eve. What you think he going to do to your African ass, nigga? You think I'm going to let you come in here and, nigga, shut up. You lucky I, he didn't, boy, I'm telling you, man. These motherfucking fighters be tripping out like they got some... Nigga, what would you guys be doing? If it wasn't for Dana White, you guys would be getting fights on the job. That's what every UFC fighter would be doing if it wasn't for Dana White. You'd be working at Walmart as a greeter, or you'd be working at Home Depot, or you'd be on a job site, and because you like to fight, you'd be getting in fights a lot. Then you have a criminal record, then you go to jail, or something like that. Dana White has provided a place for niggas who like to scrap to get paid for it. And none of you niggas are stars. Look at you, African fucking Francis Ngannou. You couldn't even promote the fight between you and Cyril Ghosn. That actually had a backstory. None of you fighters can. The only fighter that can promote a fucking fight is goddamn Conor McGregor. He's the only one that can promote and understands the art of promotion and running the numbers up, just like me. Random fucking numbers up on Live on Lake Street. And this is the fucking thanks I get. But anyway... Yeah, every time a fucking fighter speaks, it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. You don't know what to say. You're awkward. You're, you're, you're not comfortable in your own skin. You don't know what to say. So just fight and get the fuck out and let Dana White figure out who the best fighters are. And then he pays them accordingly. The top five fighters get deals as far as the pay-per-view cut. The rest of you niggas just get 20 bands. That's a lot of money, nigga. 20 bands to go in and scrap? 20 bands. Now, I know it gets ugly. I know you get your eye busted and your orbital and your fucking nose broke. I know shit can happen, but still, $20,000 to go in and do something that you would probably do anyway because you're a good fighting motherfucker and you've been training. Man, I don't know, Dana. I don't know, man. Y'all going to fuck around. And, but, you, but what's going to happen, though, is this. When Dana's gone, they're going to get a real live business. See, Dana is a lover of the sport. Dana loves the fucking sport, and contrary to popular belief to what Ariel Hawani says, Dana White actually does love the fighters. He has a respect for the fighters. The next promoter, the next guy that comes in and runs the UFC is going to be a business-minded motherfucker, <laughs> and they're going to hate him. Yeah, you're going to get health care, motherfucker, but you ain't going to get them $50,000. Dana just be throwing $50,000. Fight of the night, here, fight of the night, $50,000, $50,000. All them fight of the nights is going to be gone, nigga. So you're going to have good health care, but you ain't going to get no fight of the night bonus. You're going to think you did. Oh, we did a great fight. We fought great. So what? The new guy ain't going to be giving them out like Dana White. Yeah, the new guy that runs UFC is not going to be throwing out them $50,000 bonuses that you guys cry about every single time. $50,000, Dana, 50 G's, Dana. And that's Conor McGregor. Look at him trying to bite Conor McGregor. No, that wasn't worth 50 G's, nigga. Fuck you talking about. Now, Terrence McKinney, who caught the knee, whoever gave Terrence McKinney that flying knee, that nigga deserves 50,000. Yeah, when you put on a Jorge Masvidal flying knee to Ben Askren's head, that's $50,000. Don't get in there and fucking wrestle and wiggle around on the ground, win by decision, and then say, Dana, 50,000. And still, Dana be giving niggas like that $50,000. Here, you get $50,000. You get $50,000. Dana just, man, we're going to miss Dana. Dana White is like LeBron James. Everybody bitches and cries about LeBron James. But the second LeBron James leaves, the next group of people, man, I'm telling you, they're going to be hurt. Yeah, they're going to be hurt. They're not going to want to play a full season. Man, and we're going to appreciate, damn, LeBron James really carried the mantle rights. What's going to happen with Dana White? 
When Dana White's gone, man, we're going to be sorry. We're going to get some Jewish motherfucker in there that don't give about none of you niggas. <laughs> uh, but yeah, shout out to Glover Teixeira, man. Thank you, man. What an honorable. Glover Teixeira was one of the greatest UFC fighters, man. Straight up fucking warrior to the end. Even when he was bludgeoned up, he was telling Jamal, come on, let's go. Both of them dudes are some tough motherfuckers, man. But shout out to um, Glover Teixeira, Hall of Fame. We'll be seeing you in the Hall of Fame. And uh, Shogun Rua. We'll be seeing you in the Hall of Fame. And thank you for the memories. Thank you guys for the memories. I've watched about 80% of them. And I've enjoyed every one of Glover Teixeira's fights. And I've enjoyed all of uh, Shogun's fights except the last ones where you could tell he's getting a little bit older. You know, and I think that's where Glover Teixeira is stopping. He's saying, let me stop before I start putting on these performances that don't really represent what I've done for the majority of my career. So, shout out to those guys. All right, what else is popping off? Uh, Dana White, do you guys want to talk about Dana White getting a pass? Yeah, he got a pass. He got a pass. That's what money gets you. That's why Ariel Hawani's so mad. Yeah, the people who make real money make the rules. Motherfucker, you don't follow the rules. I don't have to follow the rules that I set for my son. I'm paying rent. I'm bringing in groceries. I'm the one that goes out and has to make sure this house is where it needs to be. So, nigga, I don't follow the rules. I set, I set them for you, son. And when you get your own house... And you start doing your own things, you can set the rules for another people. That's how rules go. Yeah, the people, the parents don't follow the rules. The kids have to follow the rules. And when it comes to America, anybody making under mm, $100 million a year, you got to follow rules. Anybody making over $100 million, you don't. Jerry Jones don't have to follow rules, nigga. You make over $100 million, I'm not following any rules. I make rules. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm really cool with the people who did. You know what I'm talking about? So, yeah, don't try to put... Uh, kid rules on the parents and Ariel Hawani stop trying to put average everyday citizen rules on the motherfucking um, leaders and gods of industry okay Dana White is a leader and a king and a god of industry so don't try to go putting rules why didn't he get oh this just oh man stop because he's rich because he's rich bitch <laughs> you know what I'm that's why I could answer that for you Ariel Hawani hey Ariel Ariel's asking why does Dana White get a pass with the media because he's rich bitch Nigga, you understand the partnership that me and ESPN are in? It's not the partnership that you and ESPN are in or that you and whoever runs your little, your great podcast. It's a great podcast. MMA World, Ariel Hawaii, that's a great fucking show. But nonetheless, nigga, I'm cool with the bosses. You understand me? I'm cool with the bosses. That's just like anything else. You got the workers and the bosses. Nigga, the workers will never, ever be able to implement the rules on the bosses. They have to follow the rules with hopes that one day they can become a boss why? So I don't have to follow rules either. God damn it. That's what it's all about. Ah, what else is going on in the world? Did you guys see the new MLK statue? What the fuck is that? It looks like a big round piece of shit. Oh, somebody told me, well, that's Martin Luther King and Coretta Scott hugging. It doesn't look like they're hugging. It looks like a big round piece of shit. Who ran this fucking architectural piece of shit through? Who did this run through? Nobody's give, everybody give hands up on this? That just shows, they're just throwing shit together. Just... Uh, black people want a statue. All right, put a piece of shit, wrap it in some shit, and make a statue out of it. They didn't even make it beautiful and elegant. I swear to God, some of the um, Confederate statues down south are more beautiful than that. Well, keep it a bean. Some of the Confederate statues down south, Mr. Ely and the guys who hung niggas, those had better architectural structure than this piece of shit Martin Luther King arms look like shit. You ever walk by shit in snow? You ever seen a dog take a shit and it swirls? You know when dogs take shit? Dog take a nice shit and they swirl it in a circle? That's what the new Martin Luther King statue looks like. A piece of dog shit swirled in a circle. F fuck out of here, man. You mother. The George Floyd statue's better than that, nigga. And George Floyd spent all his life smoking dope. Yeah, I'm mad right now. Yeah, I'm mad because my motherfucking Vikings got kicked out of the fucking playoffs by the Giants. So I'm pissed the fuck off. And the Giants got their ass kicked by the Eagles 28 to, what, 3, 7? Man, I'm mad than a motherfucker, man. Fucking talking to me about regular season. A bunch of you displaced motherfuckers who came into Minnesota when the riots happened. Yeah, when the riots happened, a lot of people came into Minnesota. We got a whole bunch of homeless displacedies. We got a whole bunch of imported homeless motherfuckers and imported delusional Vikings fans who get happy with an all-right, mediocre, regular season record and start talking about, we're the best, and we're gonna, man, we ain't shit. We ain't shit, as long as that motherfucking nigga Kirk Cousins is back there at quarterback. We need a young quarterback. 
not on a big contract, that knows how to pull the ball down and can run for 10 yards fast and wants and has something to prove. I'm sick of these fucking free agents. Do you realize the Vikings, has, have, we haven't had a young quarterback. The Vikings haven't had, since I've been a Vikings fan, a quarterback that we drafted out of college, Dante Culpepper, number 11. That was it. We don't draft young quarterbacks. We keep getting Gus Farratt, and we keep getting Brett Favre, and we keep getting all these fucking free agent niggas. Fuck are these niggas, man? Go get you a young, what's up with our scouting department? Nobody's scouting the young guys? Come on. You, our scouting team is looking like the, who was that field goal kicker that missed for the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> That field goal kicker missed like four field goals, nigga. That's like our scouting department, nigga. What the fuck are you guys doing? You got one job. Scout. Go get us a young quarterback so we can be like everybody else out here. That's running and gunning. Burroughs, Cincinnati, running and gunning. Buffalo, running and gunning. Jalen Hurts in Philly, running and gunning. Ain't nobody sitting back in that goddamn pocket except Tom Brady. And his ass got cracked and slapped out of there by the Dallas Cowboys. If you don't have a quarterback that can run the ball, that doesn't mean he has to be a running quarterback. I'm not asking for Lamar Jackson here, people. I'm just saying a dual threat. If our option one ain't open and option two isn't open, I don't want my quarterback trying to force it to option three. I don't want that. I don't want, I want option one ain't open, option two ain't open, pull that motherfucker down and run as far as you can and get as close to the first down so we can try this shit again, right? Motherfuckers pissed me off. Vikings, are, every, every time I bring up Kirk Cousins to a white person, they make the face like it's not his fault. Yes, white person. It's Kirk Cousins' fault. We suck. We got Jefferson. We got an all right defense. I believe your defense plays to the ability of what it thinks its offense is. Every defense, especially right now when you can't really touch anybody, everybody's defense is pretty much the same. You got some really good defenses out there. You got some Dallas's, some San Francisco's. We got some really, really good defenses. But other than that, fam, we, it's pretty much basic. I believe our defense don't believe in our offense. That's why. And when our defense steps on the field and they look in Kirk Cousins' eyes and Kirk Cousins got that look like he, man, we ain't playing today. And Kurt ain't playing today. I ain't finna hurt my fucking self or Kirk Cousins. Nigga, I wouldn't hurt myself for my cousin. Fuck, I'm gonna hurt myself for Kirk Cousins. I wouldn't go, nigga, shut up. <laughs> so yeah, I'm pissed off, man. Can't talk shit. The, the playoffs on right now. We ain't in it. <laughs> The best team, Minnesota Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, everybody kept picking Minnesota. Are you guys serious? You guys understand who that man is at the quarterback position? Fuck out of here. Uh, what else has been happening on the docket? 21 Savage goes off on his ops on Clubhouse. That, why? Why? Why are you guys doing that? Why is 21 Savage one of the top artists going back and forth with a street nigga about who's more street. Nigga, you wasn't ever in the dope house. That just shows how dumb and gang culture is and how prevalent it is still in our communities. We're a rapper who has ascended. 21 Savage, you ascended. You got Drake. You got a whole album with Drake. You've been on Saturday Night Live. You've made it. And you're on Clubhouse arguing with a nigga who's still selling weed at your old apartment about how long he's been selling weed there and who he knows that's in jail. Oh my God, we're going, we going down. We're going down as a people the same way that the, club the Clubhouse app is going down as an app. Man, when Clubhouse first started, it was a good app. You would see Wiz Khalifa on there. You would see Joe Button on there. You would see people exchanging ideas. It was like a networking thing. That's why I got it. I was like, fam, and then you can't even like get the app. You got to be invited in. It was exclusive. You know what I'm saying? Like, and you would hear networking and talking. Now it's just a bunch of whack then got his whack 100 then got his hands on fucking Clubhouse app and turned it into a goddamn minstrel show. <laughs> this nigga that turned the Clubhouse into a minstrel show. Street niggas on there, street bitches on there, man. Uh, I totally erased my Clubhouse app. I just erased it off my phone. Fuck Clubhouse, man. I don't, I don't want to be guarded. I used to keep it, like I said, you know, sometimes I would go to the nigga zoo and just listen to the nigga zoo. But I'm like, nah, man, this is... This is not good for my spirit. So I totally erased the Clubhouse app off my phone. That's where we're at with Clubhouse. Do, 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 do. Do you guys see, uh, I was watching HBO Max. Like I said, I was watching the um, series, What's My Name? The Muhammad Ali new series on HBO Max. And I seen a commercial for this, for Velma. Now, if you guys don't know who Velma is, Velma is the chick with glasses in Scooby-Doo. You guys remember scooby dooby doo Looking for you, Scooby-Doo, the show, the cartoon when I was coming up. Well, there was this chick named Velma. She had glasses. Well, they made Velma a black woman now. 
I'm like, when the fuck did Velma become black? Yeah, she's a sister now, and nigga, Velma wasn't no black people in Scooby Dooby Doo except Scooby. Scooby Dooby Doo was the only black nigga. That's why he was stupid. That's what niggas was. Stupid. They thought he was stupid. That's why Scooby was the only nigga on the cartoon. Everybody else was white. Shaggy was white. Fred was white. Velma was white. The redhead chick. Everybody was white. Nigga, the only other nigga that came on Scooby-Doo was his little cousin Scrappy-Doo. Nigga, Scrappy, and you see Scrappy like to fight. That was his little hood cousin. See, that's the gangbang culture coming up. Scrappy-Doo represented my generation. The gangbang niggas who want to come up and scrap. That's Scrappy Dude. What they said, what did Scrappy say? Let me at him. I'll splat him. Yeah, them was the only two niggas on Scooby Dooby Doo. Why is Velma on HBO Max being portrayed as a black woman? God damn, man. They just whitewashing everything. They made Ariel the Little Mermaid. I used to love watching that little redhead white chick. I used to love fucking Little Mermaid. Now they blacked her out, man. Just keep shit the way that it is. Jesus was black. Don't make him white. Okay? The last samurai was Asian. Don't make him Tom Cruise. And do not make Velma into a voluptuous, eyeglass-wearing sister. Shit. God damn it. Fuck you talking about? Scooby-Dooby-Doo, looking for you. We got a whole world to do now. That was my shit. Uh, Chris Sean. What is going on with Chris Sean and uh, Blueface, baby? God damn, they found that nigga. Boy, I tell you. Blueface, woo-wee. You might have dodged a bullet, man. Yeah, because it came out that Krishan was pregnant right after they did the little interview on No Jumper where they had to personally pick this drunk bitch up and take her out of the fucking room. Krishan is one of the few bitches who I believe needs to be physically assaulted. I don't believe, but you know what's so sad is that what, what Krishan represents and Blueface and their relationship represented is the dysfunctionality of the black man and woman or the nigga and bitch in the black community. This is how they interact, right? Why does the woman think she can put her hands on the man? Because in our relationship, in a sick, twisted way, in the nigga and the bitch relationship in the black community, the girl or the woman, the female, represents his mother. That's what the dynamic is. So when you see, and, it, and it, you kind of got a little bit of it when you watch Baby Boy. If you watch the movie by John Singleton with um, Tyrese and it, Baby Boy, they were kind of hinting that why does the son have this romantic, sexual, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with his mother? He don't like to see her go out. He, you see what I'm saying? And vice versa. When the black woman deals with the black man, it's more she's coming in and stepping in as his mother, right? She can slap him upside the head. When she says, be quiet, he, he's quiet. Um, he's so worried about what she's thinking. I don't give a fuck what you're thinking. I'm a man. You understand that? I'm, I got certain things that I think and I feel. I'm not going to go being quiet and turning into a different person because my woman walked in the room as if my mom didn't. Now, if my mom walks in the room, then I kind of tone it, hey, that's mom. She don't need to be hearing all this filth, foreign filth. There's certain things I don't want to say in front of my mother. You know, like smoking weed or cussing. You know, you smoke weed probably, but when your mom comes in the room, hey, put that out. You kind of try to sh slow up on the cursing. But not with my woman. My woman's going to see me smoke weed. My woman's going to see me cuss. I'm not going to turn it down for her. She knows who I am. What the fuck are you talking about? But that's the sick relationship, and that's even on display even more when you see Krishan busting this nigga upside his head with a glass fucking um, Fabergé egg. Yeah, she slammed a glass Fabergé egg inside Blueface's fucking head, nigga, and then had to vacuum the fucking sh the shattered pieces out of that nigga's skull. This is just a sick relationship. She's one of the few bitches I believe needs to get punched in the motherfucking mouth. Yeah, she has a little bit. She needs a couple more teeth knocked out. If you think that you can just be that roguish, but then bitches like that usually end up dead too. When you be wondering like, what happened to the bitch? Not all the time, but sometimes, damn, what happened to the bitch? Why did they find a bitch in the trunk of a car and the car drove off the bridge? Because this bitch was one of these Krishan type bitches. Can't nobody talk to. You get drunk, you turn into a motherfucking dumb motherfucker. Man, I'm telling you. So allegedly Blueface got out of it. Like, allegedly. Blueface says the baby's not his, right? And now they're... I guess broken up. So we'll see how long this lasts. I personally think when you're in love with a bitch like that, you're in love with the toxicity, right? And vice versa. So Blueface might get a good woman. Blueface might actually get a good chick that's good, better for him, better for his career, can maybe help him come up with another Tatiana song, right? Because DJ Academics was on your ass. 
Yeah, you brought DJ Academics up and he got on your ass, boy. Start talking about foreclosures and all kind of shit, right? Because you need a, why, Blueface? Because you need another Tatiana song, nigga. That's it. There is no other Blueface song. You can name off songs. I don't know any of them. All I know is Tatiana and you ain't had one, right? Drake just did a wonderful concert at the Apollo and this nigga said he's about to drop another album and you still can't come along with another Tatiana. So, so Blueface, you might get with a chick. Blueface might get with a beautiful black sister queen who can help him write the next Tatiana. He's going to go fucking with this dumb Krishan bitch. He's going to fuck it up with the good sister, fucking with this trying to crawl back into that slimy, disgusting, diseased-ass pussy of Krishan because he's in love with the toxicity because there's something in his life that hasn't been fixed where he, he needs that. You know, you see him running up, punching a girl. Why don't you punch Krishan like that? I mean, I don't think anybody should be, let's be clear. I don't think anybody should be hit. But if you're going to hit somebody, hit the person that's hitting you. Her dad didn't do nothing to you. Why are you running up, knocking her old ass dad down in the street? He didn't do nothing to you. She just busted you upside your head with a Fabergé egg. Punch that bitch in the face. If you're going to hit somebody, I'm all for hitting somebody who hits you. I do not believe, that's why I was with Dana White. Yeah, man, I was not like Ariel Hawani. Oh, Dana White needs to, nah, his wife hit him. She slapped him in the face. He slapped her back in the face. That's some personal shit to me. That just, that just, that's personal life business. I'm with, I'm against somebody hitting somebody who didn't hit you. Hey, man, that person did nothing to you. Why are you putting your hands on them? But once somebody strikes you, in my book and in the American book, in the American book of retaliation, there's a small little book. It got a, it got a red, white, and blue flag on it. And I think, uh, who's on the cover? Theodore Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt's on the cover. It's called American Retaliation. If you put your hands on me, once you touch me, I can touch you. Not in a certain, you can't, you can't dictate the way I touch you. Hey man, I slapped you, so you got to slap me back. No, you slap me, I kill you. Simple as that. You slap me, I hit you with a bat. You keep your motherfucking hands to yourself at your, nigga, that's something for your self-preservation. You think you can put your hands on people? You think you can jump over in a lion's den, slap a lion? And then tell the lion, hey, man, you got to slap me back. No, you jump over into the lion's den and slap a lion, you're going to get mauled and ate. Now, you didn't maul or eat the lion, but you didn't have no fucking business over there putting your hands on a goddamn lion. If you don't want, if you're not willing to accept whatever comes your way. When I hit a motherfucker, when I put my hands on somebody, I'm saying to myself, I accept whatever this person decides to do. Even if I push him, if I push this guy, he can go into his pocket and shoot me in my face. What are you putting your hands on me for? Right? So anyway, I went down a dark hole, but yeah, I'm glad that Krishan and Blueface are actually broke up. And I pray that Blueface gets a, a woman that can help him create another Tatiana song. And I pray that Krishan can get with a UFC fighter. <laughs> I pray that Krishan gets with a UFC fighter. Now hit this nigga. Yeah, Krishan, hit this nigga. And let him watch him hit you with a fucking elbow and crack your fucking skull in half. Maybe that'll teach you that I need to keep my fucking hands to myself. So I pray that Blueface gets a woman that helps him create another Tatiana song. And I pray that Krishan Rock gets a UFC abusive fighter that's willing to engage in the physical hand-to-hand -hand combat that she's so desperately seeking. Give her what she wants. Looks like that's what she wants. She doesn't want to be loved. She doesn't want to be treated like a queen. She doesn't want to be treated like a woman. She doesn't want to start a family. She's had fucking how many, this bitch keeps killing babies and bragging about it. Like usually abortions is like a private thing with women. This bitch then killed six babies and she brags about it. Yep, I just kill them. I just kill them. God damn, you evil, wicked bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need, you need something else, Krishan. You need a UFC fighter. Nigga, you need an abusive UFC fighter from Rio de Janeiro. And then you'll be happy fuck you talking about <laughs> oh man dog, what's going on in the world charleston white gets fucked by his management group eric young productions oh is that what's going on we ain't seen charleston white in a minute what's going on cw so cw had to fire um his management group which is called eric young productions now for me like i said i'm tapped into cw i'm talking i'll be talking to cw once in a while and what i'm hearing from him is don't fuck with niggas <laughs> that's basically it he tried to do, you know, see, you know, Charleston White, black, black, black. He's trying to build with black people and all the black people that he tried to build with on the way up while he's doing his comedy tour, while he's, monetiz while he's monetizing his, his name and likeness, 
all the Negroes that he's, around, that he's managed to surround himself with have started to fuck him and have started to cheat. He, got, he said he was paying 5% of his shows to some nigga he didn't even know in Mississippi. Just because niggas have the ability and they like to do that. I told you guys, we hurt, we play on each other. Now a white group then came in and got all the niggas away from Charleston White. Hey, get these niggas away from Charleston White. You need to get these niggas away from you. And now he has white folks and Jewish folks around him. And it'll probably be a way better and way easier time. Because you're going to get fucked, right? The game is not about um, not being exploited. It's about compensation for the exploitation. And let the fucking be at a minimal. See, niggas will raw dick you. Niggas will donkey dick fuck you. White guys will have a little pecker with a condom on it, and they'll use lubrication. I don't like getting fucked, but goddamn, if I'm going to get millions of dollars and I'm going to reap the rewards, I understand that there's going to be a little take and give. And as long as when I'm giving, I really don't feel it, right? You don't mind paying taxes if the taxes are payable, but once you start look, hold on, man, I'm paying child support? Now I can feel, wait, whoa, child support? I ain't got no problem paying FICA. Right? I don't got no problem paying the state. I ain't got no problem paying... But nigga, child support taking all my money, leaving me with $10? And that's what niggas will do. Niggas will rape you to the point to where you're like, bro, why? what the fuck is going on? So that's what's been happening with Charleston White. Um, big shouts out to CW. I hope that he can continue on with the comedy tour. I hope the niggas didn't fuck him up. But yeah, Eric Young and the Eric Young production is, I think, managing um, Bubba Dub and Michael Blackston. Now, Charleston White is bringing in more money than Bubba Dub and Michael Blackson put together, okay? <laughs> so, so I don't know what the fuck that Eric Young production was thinking. They should have been way more um, concerned with keeping business on the up and up with Charleston White. But like niggas do, they foiled it and they lost Charleston White. We'll see him back up there. Uh, Ed Reed fired from HBCU for exposing. Oh, damn, did you guys see this shit? Ed Reed, like this is, but this is us though. This is us, people. Ed Reed, great coach, coming under the tutelage and under the wing of Deion Sanders, goes to a HBCU. Then he sees that HBCU is being real streetish because the niggas don't give a fuck. You know, when you deal with niggas, like one thing that I learned when I was doing Discovery Yourself is that when you're dealing with inner city kids, you have to teach them um, the basics. Like when you give a kid something, a kid should say thank you. Inner city kids don't know that. You give an inner city kid something who ain't never had shit, grew up in the projects, mom on drugs, dad running around the streets. If you try to give that kid something, he'll just take it and eat it. He won't say thank you. You have to teach him, young man, you, you should say thank you when somebody gives you something, right? So all the those basic lessons that you're supposed to learn when you're coming up in the hood and when you're going into these HBCUs, they don't have that. They don't have black men around them to teach these things because HBCUs are really ran by Jewish people, are really ran by white people. So what white people will do is they'll put a couple token niggas in spots who don't demand too much and can keep controversy down. They'll let them have the spots. And then somebody comes along like me or like a Deion Sanders or like a Ed Reed. What the fuck are you doing, bro? Why is there trash all over the place? Why don't you niggas know the common courtesy codes of of dealing with human beings. Who the fuck raised you niggas? You know what I'm saying? That's, ain't that what TK Kirkland said? Who raised you niggas? So that's what basically Ed Reed is asking. Who raised these niggas? You guys don't have no common courtesy, no cooth, no upbringing? Well, then we need to work on that. And the fact that Ed Reed highlighted that now HBCUs are in, oh my God, we got to fire him and he's an exposed that we don't teach niggas the common courtesy of saying thank you. Instead of saying, let's teach niggas the common courtesy of saying thank you and picking up your trash. So that's what Ed Reed's going with over there. Um, I knew it, them HBCUs, man, them is not historically black colleges anymore. They're not. We lost that ball. They're historically black, co black colleges in name. That's why you see Stephen A. Smith with the sweaters. That's why you see all these bourgeoisie niggas who never went to HBCUs, by the way. Stephen A. Smith did go to HBCUs, but a lot of niggas you see with HBCU sweaters on, they don't send their sons to HBCU. And like Stephen A., if he had a son, I don't think he would send his son to a HBCU. He would want his son to go to a prestigious college, right? So I think that HBCU is just another form of like Black Lives Matter. It's a, it's a way to feel black without having to actually do and be accountable for making sure that that entity that I'm representing is black. 
and is doing things to help the next generation be competitive in our black communities, right? That's what it's about. It's not about just saying Black Lives Matter. Where is the um, vanguard that's going to make sure that these lesbian bitches don't go off and just buy mansions, right? We're not just going to say HBCU. Where's the vanguard that's going to make sure that we got reputable and strong black men in power, and black men and black women, in powerful positions of influence to make sure that they tell these young brothers how we're going to conduct ourselves that makes us shine above all the rest of the colleges? can't just say HBCU in a hashtag and think that's all you can do, but I guess nowadays you can. So they just fired Ed Reed. <laughs> They'll just, they just fired Ed Reed and they'll get another nigga in there. You think they're going to hide? No, they're going to get another nigga in there, but he's going to be more of a nigga that, hey, shut the fuck up, man. Just let the trash sit there. Let the trash build up <laughs> until they close this motherfucker down. Don't you go trying to instill val a value system in these black boys that are coming from the projects. Don't you do that. That's not our game. So that's what Ed Reed found himself in the middle of. Ah, oh, what's going on in the world? Did you guys see the fucking Drake concert? God damn, Drake brought Dipset out, man. Oh my god, I, I don't, I don't, I don't like too many concerts. There's not too many concerts that I'm like, damn, I wish I'd have went to that one. But I'm not gonna lie, I wish I was at that fucking Drake one. I wish I was at that fucking Drake concert at the Apollo, man. I mean, he opened up with uh, "Over My Dead Body," which is one of my favorite Drake songs, and it just looked like a fun atmosphere. And Drake really is a good performer, so I. I really salty I missed that. And I guess, that, like I said, he announced that he's going to be dropping probably another, um, he's going to be dropping another album, in or not another, he's going to be dropping an album in 2023. Drake's a hardworking ass nigga, man. To have the success that he has, you would think that nigga would like chill for a minute. That nigga works hard. That little Jewish light-skinned nigga works very, very hard. And it keeps the rest of the rappers on their toes. Right? You guys can't sit and rest on your laurels when this light-skinned Jewish nigga is out here fucking working. Keep working, Drake. Keep on working, Drake. Uh, what else is going on? That's just what I wanted to talk to you guys about. How long have we been here? We did an hour already? Damn, time flies when you're fucking having fun. Uh, yeah, thank you guys for hanging out with me today. Make sure you check out those, um, the interviews that I did live on Lake Street. Um, and like I said, I got a couple more interviews that'll be coming out. So what I realized that I'm going to do now is just post because my podcast platforms is where most of my audience is. I got a few people on YouTube, a couple people. I've started some new pages on Instagram. I got a new Facebook page, got a new Twitter page. So I'm still building up these audiences, but where my audience is strong at is my podcast platform. So whenever I have an interview, I'll be putting a little link saying, hey, I'll leave the link where you can see it and go check me out on this interview. Um, and maybe the next um, people that I sit down with will be more appreciative of what it is that I bring. You know, I shared that fucking interview with Live on Lake Street like 50 times. I was on everybody's, I was on hip hop, everything, Joe, every, everything I was sharing and sharing and sharing and sharing the fuck out of that podcast. That's why the numbers ran up so high. So you guys might want to say thank you instead of sending me them bitch ass messages talking about algorithms. The fuck is algorithm? What, so what do you want me to do? You want me to not share it? <laughs> you want me to not have people come and comment? You want me to not? Bring what it is that I bring to help run the numbers up on your platform. You don't want me to do that? Okay. You're welcome. Anywho, um, thank you guys for rocking with the North Star Podcast. I will be back again. But like I said, stop signs and masterpieces, people. Stop signs and masterpieces. But one way that you can get me in here is to make sure that you guys follow me on my social media platforms. Instagram. The number five, I-M-B-A underscore Ali, right? Twitter, five, I-M-B-A underscore Ali. Follow me on my platforms, and then if you guys tell me, hey, can we get an episode, that'll make me probably want to come in and do it more. Then you don't have to wait until I feel inspired. I will always answer the bat signal because I'm a fucking black superhero. So anytime that my followers, my supporters say, hey, we really could use a TNSP episode, I'm going to come give it to you guys. But if I don't hear that, then I'm going to wait until I'm inspired to do so. So make yourselves known. Get, on on my, get in on my Instagram. Get in on my Twitter. Find me on Facebook. Make sure you guys let it be known how you're feeling and when you want me to start dropping these episodes. And that way they can be more regularly available. Um, like I said, I got the Revel wares. You guys make sure you buy those. I got the new designs. I just did the Maroon Society. Things are moving. Things are moving at a rapid pace.
Um, is there anything else? Oh, yeah, my son. Shouts out to my son. He's doing great balling. This nigga had a fucking great game. This nigga did like 17 points one game, 15 points another game. And then another game, he did like 12, 13. So he's starting to, he's starting to feel himself. You know, he got his hair cut. He got waves. Bitches is looking at him now. You know, little, little bitches at school looking. So he's starting to find his own swag. He's starting to find his own lane. So very happy for my son. Um, my wife is always, my wife is always doing good. She's, um, we got a little thing with, that she's dealing with now that we're going to get through beautifully. You know, we all have our ailments. Like you guys know, my shoulder got fucked up and I'm healing from that. So, um, like I said, yeah, we're just, we're just moving right along as a family and we'll deal with these things as a family, as everybody else should too. Make sure that your inner circle is tight. Now, who knows how big your inner circle is? Some people have an inner circle of 15 people. Some people have an inner circle of 20 people. Some people have an inner circle of five. But whoever's in your inner circle, make sure that you guys stay tight and that you guys move as one um, sound entity, right? Make sure you guys stay communicating with each other. Make sure you guys stay in tune with what, what each other has going on. Whatever help you can provide to their dreams, to their aspirations, make sure you're in tune with the people in your inner circle. And if you're out of the inner circle, then fuck ya. <laughs> then fuck ya. Uh, this is Simba Ali. I appreciate everybody out there for rocking with TNSP. We will be back again, but who knows when.